0: of The Devil Wears Rossonero, the official podcast of SB Nation's AC Milan Offside. I'm Patrick Sol Wong Tim Fontenot, at Stall underscore PM, at SBN Rossonero, is where you can get a hold of us on Twitter. Uh, y'all drove Tim off of Twitter, so <laughs> you cannot find him on Twitter anymore, so any and all hate you were going to send to him, you can go ahead and send to me and I'll just go ahead and mute you on Twitter, so that's completely fine.
1: That sounds like a good approach.
0: Yeah, I mean, what what else are we going to do? I mean, people have to send their peasantry somewhere. So, I mean, now they can just send it to me. So, uh, as the intro suggests, the boys are back in town. We know it's been a while since we did this. We're happy to be back. Uh, a lot has happened uh, since we last did one of these podcasts. First of all, new coach, a uh, lot of new players. New season is almost upon us, thank God. Not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but new season. And uh, we're not in Europe anymore. So we got a lot to talk about that and much much more on this episode of The Devil Wears Rosanero. Again, Patrick Stoll, Tim Fontenot. I'll bring my man Tim in right now. Tim, how are you, buddy? Good to have you back.
1: Yeah, it's good to be back, Patrick, and especially with this season coming up. It's uh, it's nice to finally have some European football back in uh, back in our lives. Obviously, not European competition, but. It is what it is.
0: I feel like all the summer tournaments are great, except that they're all in one month, and then it's just done. Like, then you're just waiting. So, like, the Women's World Cup was fantastic, you know, and African Cup of Nations was awesome. But everything, and then, you know, the ICC was good, and then it's just, like, full preseason mode of, holy moly, these games don't matter. Or do they? Of course, you can always tweet um, if you think preseason matters, because I've seen that that debate happens every single year, and it's interesting. Every single year, does preseason matter? Um, at SBN Rossonero, at Stoll underscore P. And uh, your boy Tim is no longer on Twitter, uh, because Twitter is toxic. Very. And he just decided uh, that he was done with it.
1: You know what part of it was, to be honest? I'm, uh, so anyone who's listened knows I'm, while I'm a Milan diehard, I'm also in Orlando city diehard, uh, partial thanks to Kaka on that one. And God, I gotta tell you, they could win a game 10, nothing, and I'd still have to scroll through Twitter about how terrible they are and how disgraceful they are and this and that. And I was at a point between that and. You know, Juventus fans talking like they're God's gift to the world, and Inter fans talking about how they're going to win the Scudetto. And Which I was they're not. No, Which um, they're not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, more on that next week. But spoiler alert, Juventus. Uh, I was ready to smash my computer, throw my phone in the pool. I, I, I Twitter's not worth it, guys. It's not.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, you can follow the uh, you can follow <laughs> AC Milan offside on Twitter at ESPNRasanero. And you can follow me at Stull underscore P. Um, I I don't tweet a whole lot. I lurk a lot. uh, But I like to think I'm funny sometimes. (laughs) Anyway, so on to AC Milan, who, as you mentioned, the season is actually starting soon. Um, We're going to do our season preview, like our official Serie A season preview and predictions, featuring predictions from the AC Milan offside staff. Also, a shout out to all of our new members. We've had a lot of growth. Uh, over the summer, a uh, really good job by the guys, so we're going to be really excited to bring uh, someone on uh, every single week, uh, depending on who pays us the most money every single week, uh, to to be a guest. So, um, again, you can Venmo me, um, <laughs> uh, AC Milan Offside staff members, no, but uh, we're going to be really excited, uh, we are really excited, but we're going to be bringing uh, staff members on as guests uh to talk uh every week maybe every other week depending on if it's a slow week or if it's a really good week uh hopefully we have a lot of those hopefully uh more than last year so a lot of new faces in AC Milan let me rattle a couple names off to you uh before we go into the transfers Marco Giampaolo from Sampdoria is in of course our boy Reno Gattuso is out uh, now you're looking at um, some interesting rumors of Gattuso possibly being the manager for Inter Miami when they inevitably start playing in MLS and more difficulties arise for them. But um, that that's super interesting. That's the David Beckham team. Uh, you know, I, I think that's super cool, uh, except that their name is Inter, uh, which shouldn't be allowed. So, uh, Gattuso out, Gianpalo in. Um, obviously, Gianpalo has experience in Serie A. This isn't his first go-round, uh, which is one of the few times that you can actually say that recently uh, for an AC Milan manager. This isn't their first rodeo. Um, but, you know, Tim, I'll, I'll pitch it to you first. What do you think of the appointment of Gianpalo? for manager of AC Milan?
1: You know, it was it was weird leading up to the actual decision of a coach. Uh, I mean, there were so many names thrown out there, and obviously, um, you know, there were times when Antonio Conte was linked and Maurizio Sarri, I think I even saw once, but not, not really crazy about that. Um, Simone Inzaghi would have been a great one for me, I think, but obviously... He's still at Lazio. That didn't really come off, and he had been linked to bigger jobs even before that. Um, I really like the gianpaolo hire, though. I, you know, I'm a big fan of what he's done at Empoli and especially at Sampdoria. I mean, he got so much out of that Sampdoria team these last couple of years, and they had a fantastic season last year. For me, they were probably the most fun team to watch in the entire league. I mean, week in, week out, you didn't know what to expect in terms of you know, how they were going to pull off another great goal, the way they build up play out of their own their own half on the counterattack. And I mean, a coach who can get the best out of a guy like Fabio Qualiarella at that age. I mean, he, the dude was Capocannon year last year. And I mean, that that's, that's not just on him. I mean, he's, he's brilliant, but I mean, that's a lot on Gianpaolo, the way he plays. Um, my, I like his system. I think that, with him, I'm more comfortable about the idea of building out of the back. Uh, I like that he's he's really going to have this team getting out on the counterattack, and he's got the guys in place that are going to be able to really do that. They're going to be able to break out. Um, I think the the system that gets rid of the wingers, I mean, we've been dealing with this 4-3-3 forever, and it just hasn't been working. And he's already getting guys in like Suso and Chalanolu and – uh castillejo who were playing these winger positions he's getting them to buy into playing either a second striker role or playing as a number 10 and you're seeing that i mean suso i think has been great this preseason uh Castileo leaving something to be desired a little bit but he looks like he's starting to get comfortable in that second striker role i think that jampalo is going to do really good things with this team and i'm excited because it's a big jump for him but it's a jump I think he's ready for. I only have one knock against him, and it's that he's coming and Ricardo Saponara is not.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, now I'm sad. So <laughs> I, I think there are a couple of things playing in here. Um, one of the things I completely agree with you, I think he did a great job at Sampdoria. Uh, I think he got a lot out of players that had very low expectations, I think he made them entertaining. I think he made them hard to break down. And he made them a good team. Uh, Sampdoria were no scrubs last season. So I'm not having any of this. He isn't qualified. Um, I understand the shoot for the moon philosophy. I understand why um, people wanted Allegri and people wanted sorry, and people wanted Conte, and people wanted Ancelotti, even though he wasn't going to leave. People wanted, you know, really top names, right? And I get it. Um, Milan is the kind of club that should be going for these top names, uh, especially if they want to return to where they want to be, and where they should be, and where they think they belong, and we think they belong. I mean, that's part of, like, the history of the club, right? So, I I, I get shooting for the moon, but the fact is that Milan are not in that spot right now. They didn't finish in a Champions League spot. They finished in a Europa League spot. That's not bad. I don't think they had a bad season. But to say, well, we need Antonio Conte, I don't think that's true. You you can go, uh, especially given the financial fair play, um breathing down their necks which we'll get into a little bit later um with with that breathing down their necks um they're not going to be in europe it makes sense to bring in a youth project manager who can get the best out of a young core and evolve the team with himself uh i think it makes a lot of sense i think it's a good direction um A lot of people were saying that it's too big of a jump. And I disagree again because of the level that AC Milan is at right now. If you look at the table from last season, right, AC Milan did not finish that far above Sampdoria. They finished in fifth, Sampdoria finished in ninth. Okay. All in all, considering the teams in between, Roma, Torino, and Lazio, right? I, they Sampdoria had a pr- a pretty decent season, considering they were in the Torino Roma conversation for a, a while in that six seven spot that they they were going to make some teams upset, and that ended up being Atalanta. Um, I, I think Gianpaolo's is a good hire. I think he has good ideas. I think he, he has a discernible style of play that creates actual ideas, uh, not. I, I think we're going to see far less Suso ball. I think we're going to see far less, um, you know, cross your fingers ball. Like, all right, like here we go, hooray! Like, what are we doing? I don't know. Well. Let's figure it out, right? So I I think that there, and you can see that in preseason so far, there is a lot more of an actual idea going on. Execution, in the final third, still not completely there. We're working on it. But I think he's a good hire. And again, I understand the splash the cash thing, but when you don't have that much cash to spend and you need to revamp the roster anyway, investing in a coach like him is not a bad idea. He, I, I don't think this is something that they're going to regret. I just don't. Um, I also want to go over, real quick, this is the managers, this is the list of managers since Allegri left, not counting interims. Sedorf, Inzaghi, Mihailovic, Montella, Gattuso. All right, when Gattuso was named, I wrote a column or the AC Milan offside, and I said I don't want Gattuso to be part of the carousel that is the manager of AC Milan. And I explained my reasoning as you cannot build a stable team when you don't have a stable manager, you cannot expect to succeed long term if you are changing managers every two seasons. Two seasons, Gattuso is the longest tenured since Allegri left with two full C- yeah which a, a little over he was appointed in November 2017 and he made it all the way through 2017 to 18 and then full 18 to 19 and then he was fired so the fact that like a little under two years is the most we've gotten out of somebody is absurd. And I don't want gianpaolo to become part of that coaching carousel. If you're going to pick him, buy into him. All right. This is as much as we said, OK, Elliot management is here and there's new direction on top and there's new direction with this and that and the other right? Gattuso wasn't really their guy, was he? he? He clearly was not, because he was there already, just like Montella was there already, right? So Montella came in, or they came in, Montella was there, Montella was, uh, was garbage uh, under the Chinese ownership, they fired him, they brought in Gattuso. Then Elliot comes in, Gattuso was already there. He just had to prove to them that he still belonged there. And evidently, the goal was, as we established this time last year, the goal was Champions League. And if he made Champions League, he probably still would have been here. But he didn't. And that's unfortunate. And I still love Gattuso. I don't hold it against him. He clearly tried. He clearly did his best. And it just was too tall of a task. That's okay. He didn't go out like Vincenzo Montella. Who then went and tried his level best to get Fiorentina relegated? So, I think if now that they, in theory, right now Leonardo's gone, Gazidis is in, Maldini is in, like in in full capacity. Maldini is here, right? Like last last time he was, like he was in more of an honorary or yeah and 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 then there was the whole like oh he might leave but now he has his hands like in it all right this is their guy if you're gonna buy into this guy really really buy into him don't do this whole uh, i mean yeah we we could probably use some more midfielders but is um is fabio barini okay because he's not um, I think he's fine depth, but more on that later. So pivoting from Giampaolo and speaking of investment, a lot of transfers, a lot of transfers to talk about. Um, so I'll, I'll put it up to you. Do you want to start with departures or do you want to start with arrivals?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. I think... There's not really much exciting in terms of the departures, save, save the one that we'll talk about for sure. Uh, you know what? Let's get that one out of the way. Let's talk about Patrick Cutrone a little bit, because I think we're on the same page here.
0: Yeah, so Patrick Cutrone is the big departure. Um, other departures really, I mean, are, are, I mean, you won't be seeing Christian Zapata again. Uh, he's at Genoa now, which shockingly flew under the radar. Uh, montolivo has gone. Um Bertolacci. Montolivo
1: was still here?
0: <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Like Montolivo had this whole like emotional statement of like I never said anything wrong and this, that, and the other. It's like, okay, well, that's not what we heard. Um, Bertolacci is gone, Jose Mauri is gone, Ignacio Abate is gone, um, Bakayoko he's out. He returned to Chelsea uh, from loan. Uh, he's he's not coming back. Um, I think part of it... I mean, you can't tell me that the racism thing wasn't part of it. And um, and plus, I think he got in a fight with gatuso which doesn't help. And we don't have the money.
1: And that's fine, too, because, I mean, as much as Bakayoko was probably player of the season last year, you can argue... Um, montella's or not gee good lord we talked too much about montella i think um Giampalo's style of play um he still has the three midfielders but the two in front of the regista i think you're going to see more of a more of a playmaker on the left side and kessier on the other side he's going to have the one enforcer in the midfield unlike gattuso who wishes every midfielder was Gennaro gattuso and you're not going to see two tanks clogging the middle of the field that are going to not be able to be as mobile as we'd like them to. Um, so I think it's just like, I think we're good with just Kessier in that kind of role, and Bakayoko too expensive to keep them both on.
0: Yeah. So I, you know, I, I would have liked to keep him, but when you look at how Gianpalo wants to play, it 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 was not going to be a necessary forty million. And $40 million would have been a lot considering the financial fair play aspect. Um, so, I mean, that's really all the uh, all the moves they made. Uh, Gustavo Gomez is gone. And um, apparently Locatelli was only alone to Sassuolo. So now he's officially gone to Sassuolo, which is like a double stab because I thought that we had gotten this over with. But really the only departure that we have to speak of is Patrick Catrone. 18 million euros, 21-year-old, plays for the U-20s, or excuse me, U-21 Italian national team. He has gone to Wolverhampton Wanderers, the Wolves of the Premier League. Um, it's, you know, he's not without replacement. It's not, they they didn't do this, um, you know, Ibrahimovic left, let's replace him with Pazzini kind of thing. Um, Throwback. Uh, Why do you have to do this to me? (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, (laughs) Banter era continues. Um, But Patrick Cutrone, he has been replaced. And if, you know, if the reports are true, we'll get Angel Correa any day now. Any any day. Um, I like it. Which will be good. But it comes at the expense of a guy who we spoke a lot about on this podcast. We
1: You and I had a moment on a this podcast. Big <laughs> fan
0: big fans of Patrick Patrone. And I mean, I'll I'll fire the takeoff first. I mean, he it makes it more painful that he was one of us, right? That he was a homegrown and he fought for the badge and clearly loved the club. And it makes it hard that he was that kind of guy, clearly like a good kid, and he got shipped out, and that's it. It's not a loan, it's a sale. Um, He's gone. Um, He showed a lot of promise. He showed a lot of good talent. However, he was inconsistent and clearly did not fit into the plans of Giampalo, and especially when Piontek came in. I mean, you and I talked when Piontek did come in, that it was like, does this mean Kutrone sits? Like, you know, Piontek is obviously a better player, but do we need a striker? Well, the answer was yes. And the answer was yes, we do need Piontek. Um, and now... You know, Coutrone is out the door. I wish him all the best. Uh, I wish we could have kept him, but there is a lot of strikers on this team. Um, And, you know, there's Piontek, there's Liao, there's Andre Silva, who is still here. And. (laughs) One of the
1: most interesting sagas of the summer.
0: (laughs) I mean, one of the most interesting sagas of the past couple of years.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: And. And how Correa might join the team. So I mean that that would be four. Um and you just don't need Patrick Cutrone. He was inconsistent. He wasn't that good, which hurts to say, but like, you know, I think he'll be good depth for Wolves. I think he'll be fine. Uh it's sad to see him go. Um that, that's really the only take I have on it. I mean, it, but, but you also, and Matt Santangelo, um, friend of the site, um, a good friend of mine, had a really good take on Twitter that I wanted to make sure I brought up. You can't have it both ways that when Donnarumma says he's not going to sign the extension a couple years ago and everyone crucified the dude for not loving the club, You can't do that, but also, when you have someone who loves the club, say it doesn't matter. Because I saw that a lot, that it was, well, just because the kid loves the club doesn't mean he's worth hanging on to. Right. But don't tell me that the love of the club thing doesn't matter now. Like, you can't pick and choose... And I get, I get the whole modern game, like, loyalty is finished, blah, blah, blah thing. It, like, I know, right? Maldinis don't happen anymore, except for right. Daniel. Um, <laughs> He'll be with us forever. He, Well, I mean, he better be. Yeah. But it's just, I don't, you can't have it both ways of, oh, you snake, you don't love the club. And then, oh, you love the club, whatever. So that, that's kind of my take on it. I think he'll be fine. Um, you know, people have asked me, you know, what do you think he'll do? And, I mean, I think he's a good backup. I think he'll be fine for Wolves. Um, clearly not a 100% expectation guy. Like, you can't put everything on him because we tried that. And, I mean, yeah. So sad to see him go. And that, that's really it.
1: I think Coutrone kind of timed himself getting hot at the best possible time when it came to this club and becoming a commodity for us. Um, look, as you said, one of us. I think is the best way to describe him coming up through the youth system and at a time where, over the last, I think it's fair to say, at this point, the last decade, things have been really. It's been rough. It's been rough going for this club, and so we've been. You know, Milan fans and fans of any club, when things start to go south after so much greatness, are going to be fickle, are going to be emotional, and are going to look for anything to hang on to. And when you have guys like Cutrone and Calabria and Donnarumma who come up through the team, come up through the youth ranks, and become important, crucial members of the team you're going to hold on to them for dear life. Like they are the ones that the fans are going to cherish. And so that's why I've always like, I've always been eager to see Calabria become the player he's become. And for Donnarumma to get past that, uh, that Mino Riola exit stage of his early career. And with Cutrone, look, Montella got sacked. Gattuso came in and this kid had scored a couple goals in those early those Europa League qualifiers we had to play for the early stages of the Europa League he put a couple in the back of the net we're like hey that's cool and he became extremely important after that early December slump with Gattuso and then into the stretch where they went unbeaten for all for the better part of two and a half three months and he became a he became a hero in that sense and he became one of the players that the fans rallied around and he just couldn't keep it up because he's a young kid he's you know he's got such great potential but he's not yet great and when Piotek came in like you said you know can, is, does this mean he's going to sit can they play together and we saw them play together quite a bit And the answer was pretty definitively, no, they can't. And it it was unfortunate to see, but he kind of just got the feeling that it was time for him to move. The Wolves move surprised me though. I mean, I was, I was expecting him to end up somewhere in somewhere else in Syria, become a thorn in our side as a starter, like uh, Andrea Patania, but on a higher level. And I just I was surprised. I thought the headline on the on uh, our site was pretty pretty dead on where it said Kutrone trades the bench at Milan for the bench at Wolves. And so I mean because you've got Raul Jimenez who was one of the hottest players in the Premier League last year playing in front of you and you know they play almost with two forwards but Diogo Hoda is kind of like that second striker the way someone is going to be the Piotek in Giampaolo's system. And so you're pretty much just sitting behind Jimenez. And, you know, if he gets cold, like he's still probably going to be one of the first names on the team sheet, but, you know, heaven forbid he gets injured, Coutrone comes in and he has a chance to make a name for himself. That's great. And look, selfishly, as a fan of the U.S. national team, I'll be rooting for that because any opportunity for a Mexico player to slump and, affect him on the national team. I am totally fine with that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, good luck to Coutrone And obviously, we'll all be rooting for him at Wolves. But this was a move that it just kind of seemed was writing on the wall from around January, but more so this summer. And, you know, I think think it was something that had to be done.
0: You make a really good point that when you start going – like, when it became clear that they couldn't play together, you had to make a choice. And the choice in that situation was always going to be Piantic. Absolutely. It was never not going to be Piatek. And, again, it's sad that it comes at the expense of Cutrone but grand scheme of things, I think they're going to be just fine. I think he's going to be just fine because, honestly, if there's a manager that I would trust, like... That I would trust with Cutrone, that list includes Nuno Espirito Santo. Oh, for sure. So I, I am completely, you know, I, I'm fine with cheering for Wolves, <laughs> for Patrick Cutrone. I, can deal with that. So, couple new faces, uh, since we've talked about the departure, uh, it's odd that, like, really, he's the only one. It's, it's very strange that he. I'm like, yeah, you have a couple other bits and pieces, um, but you have, really, Kutron is the only one that left. Coming in, this is where it starts getting weird. So I'm going to give you the fees in dollars, um, just because transfer market that I have up is U.S. and it has dollars. So
1: I'm so excited they have a U.S. site now.
0: Oh my god, it's great. Don't have to go to the Turkish site anymore. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, so I'm going to give it to you in American, where we call it soccer. Um, So, Kutrone's fee, for reference, uh, 18 million euros, 20 million and a half pounds. First up, Rade Krunic, the Bosnian from Empoli. He's a central midfielder. That was nine point one. Million dollars. Ismael Benasser, defensive midfielder, Algerian from Empoli uh, as well, so we're just taking all of Empoli's midfielders, um, $18.25 million. Theo Hernandez, who then promptly managed to get injured, but Theo Hernandez left back from Real Madrid, yes, that Theo Hernandez, for $22.8 million again. He then went out and got injured in an ICC game. Uh, The Kessie deal, fun fact, like that was a two-year loan with the obligation to buy. That obligation to buy just happened. So that's more money. And then uh, Rafael Liao, uh, the Portuguese international uh, U21 Portuguese striker, 20 years old from Lille. Uh, that for $34.2 million. So Liao, Hernandez, Benacer, and Krunic. And then AC Milan have been linked pretty consistently with uh, Flamengo defender Leo Duarte and Angel Correa from Atletico Madrid as second striker. So obviously a bunch of of names, um, all of them young, like legitimately all of them young. Kroenich is 25, Benicera is 21, Hernandez is 21, which is shocking. And Liao is 20. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm pretty happy with this business. I am, and all of them are five-year contracts. So I saw one thing uh, this afternoon that said, all of these deals over five years amount to 18 million euros every year for the next five years. Which means we've already paid it off for this year with Cutrone. So when you look at it like that, which is a lot of spin doctoring, a lot of spin zone right there. But I'll take it. If you're going to sell him and then his transfer fee for a year pays off a year of all of these guys think he'll be good. So reinforcements at left back with Hernandez. He can start um, or not. I mean, now you have the choice of Ricardo Rodriguez or Theo Hernandez instead of just having Ricardo Rodriguez because Diego Laxchalt did not end up as we thought he was going to, as we hoped he was going to. Very much a Gattuso player, but it didn't work out. Uh, Liao, I think is exciting. I don't know a lot about the kid. I'm just going to say it right now. I don't know a lot about Rafael Liao. Um, you know, again, the striker situation, if we add Correa, that's Correa, Liao, Piatek, and Andre Silva, who returned from his Sevilla loan. And we literally have no idea what's going to happen. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Uh, he said, oh, I look forward to combining with Piatek." It's like, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. Um, he could very well, for all I know, he's going to be sold to Monaco tomorrow. Because I thought Andre Silva was going to go to Wolves and Cutrone was going to go to Monaco. So the opposite happened. So I'm assuming now Silva's going to go to Monaco, be really good, or maybe not, but be really good and then be bought by some Serie A team in three years. Uh, That's just how Monaco works. So um, I'm running on the assumption that Andre Silva will not be here. But for now, he is. Um, So, I mean, the one I'm most excited about is Ben Because he had a really good African Cup of Nations. And he is like, when you say, oh, hey, AC Milan midfield, what do you need? Uh, Please, we need... First of all, someone with a pulse and who can run. But we need defensive midfielders. Because Biglia, like as good as he can be, I'm not 100% confident in Biglia anymore. He's been good in the preseason, and I know what he's supposed to do. But my concerns from last year, the fact that he got injured and then is unable to run, extend to now. So I, I my, my highlight, really... Is Benacer? I think he's exciting. I think he brings a lot to our midfield, and I'm really excited to see him play and spice up our midfield, which has been pretty stagnant for the past.
1: Yeah, like, I, I think don't know, that's a fair years. timeline. Did you see what Benacer said uh, in a, in a message to Milan fans? I'm willing to I die on not. the pitch for the fans and for the team. I love that kind of that. Yeah, that's like that's that the attitude. best attitude to have. Um, I'm really glad you said that. This was the signing that you were most excited about because I, I mean, we saw him a little bit last year, but once we really dove into it, or when we start, you know, he comes in, you start researching and seeing like what kind of, you know, what kind of player you're getting. Then you're like, wait a minute, he was the player of the tournament at the Cup of Nations. Won the Cup of Nations, huge reason why Algeria won it, and they were they were outstanding at that tournament. Um, then you start diving into his stats from last season. Um, you know, plays in that holding midfielder role, five assists, uh, fifty-eight passes per ninety. He's he's got an eighty-seven percent pass accuracy, but he goes in and wins two point nine tackles per ninety, intercepts one point seven balls per ninety. Um, I mean, he's. He's gonna go in I what was it? I saw something like he's gonna go in like Bakayoko, but he's just not as big. Um, and he's like deceivingly small. Like he can win those balls in the midfield in the same in the same vein as Bakayoko, but won't necessarily obviously won't be as reminiscent of a piece of military equipment. Um <laughs> I like the scouting report that's on our on our site. Um, that's really what I was looking at because we have some guys who go and they really dive in and they watch these guys play and they come back and they are very very descriptive. And you can go to the website and check out on Benasser. We have a couple right near the top right now on Leal and Duarte. Um, he, I like this this line in that where he talks about the impact he's going to have. It says, quote, he will be an amazing player to watch, but more importantly, he is the kind of regista Milan need, one who will change the game and influence the way the team operates. I think that's really one of the big things we've been missing is a regista like that who can really control the game in the midfield and, you know, win balls defensively, but then help the flow of the game going forward. I mean, we've really been lacking in that. Our our midfielders have been pretty much either statues for years now, um, I know that's kind of the way Gattuso liked it, but it didn't really work, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cl- no, it clearly no. did not work. Um, out. Uh, yeah, but I think that's one of the big things that was missing. You know, we talk about this the turnover on the team this summer, and you think that it, it came down to the final day. Like they they just missed out on top four because Benacer and Krunic and Empoli couldn't hang on at Inter, and you know, they it may be like oh we brought in two guys who were on a team that got relegated you know what they only went down on a one goal difference against Genoa they very nearly pulled off the survival in their first year back and Kroonich and ben Asser, I think you can easily say two best players on that team throw Caputo in there they were they were brilliant I I loved watching Rada Kroonich play last year he's good for. He's good for a couple of wonder goals. He's good for setting up other guys. Um, I, he's not going to be as – I don't think he's going to start in this midfield, but Ben I think, is going to be one of the first names on the team sheet. Um, he's going to be outstanding. I'm I'm really excited to watch him play for, for Milan. I think he makes a huge difference. Um, especially, you know, it'll be nice to have Belia as depth, but I think this guy is going to be one of the most important additions we've had in a very long time. Um just you know quickly again, like you, I haven't seen much of Rafael Leao. Um obviously they are very very high on him and a lot of teams were really high on him. He was a target of a lot of Premier League clubs. So um obviously there's something there and you know one for the future and I'm excited to see what comes of that. Teo Hernandez watching him make that run against Bayern and going down I instantly knew up oh, he's hurt this is we can't have nice things um, but he's only out till the end of August thankfully and again Ricardo Rodriguez probably the starter there but being able to rotate him and Hernandez the way you can kind of do a Calabria and Andrea Conti now uh, that's that's nice to have I mean we that's one of the things that's been lacking is depth and speaking of Come the end of November, um, obviously it stinks that he won't be back for that November gauntlet that we have with Lazio, Juve, and Napoli. But as you head into December and into the second half of the season, Matia Caldara, knock on wood, could be like a new signing Cause, <laughs> well, oh my
0: God, well,
1: because well, well, that's because he didn't. That's because he didn't play be. last year yeah. at all. We were like, oh hey, we basically just stole this guy from Juventus. That's pretty cool. And then you know. I what was he oh my gosh um I was I was ready for him to be like the star of the team last year and team up with Roman Yoli and we're like (laughs) we've got the two center backs and the goalkeeper for the Italian national team for the next 50 years um then he only played 200 minutes all of last season and he didn't play any minutes in Serie A and it's less than 200 if you take out the 45 minutes he played with the primavera side that got relegated um yeah one game in the europa league one game in coppa italia and a lot left to be desired because he ruptured a cruciate ligament so come the end of november
0: well that i mean it's going to be pretty exciting to actually see last year's um like big signing yeah uh, last year's big summer signing was Caldara. Right. I mean, I know I know Gonzalo Higuaín and that stuff, but um, you know, <laughs> friendly reminder, Yeah, had Gonzalo Higuaín for a couple months.
1: Then we hit the upgrade button.
0: Yeah, exactly, and got and got both Piatek and Pecata. So, Ooh, it's interesting yes. that you mention the Regista thing because I'm looking at our attempts to sign a regista for the past few years so last year it was bakayoko uh the year before that it was bilia the year before that it was oh god this is just a shocking transfer window okay so real quick and, and then we'll move on arrivals 2016 2017 we have lionel van <laughs> Lucas Ocampos, <laughs> Gerard Deulofeu, Matias Fernandez, Mario Pasalic, Jose Sosa, Gustavo Gomez, and Gianluca Lapidula. Like, that was an actual transfer window. That was an actual window that happened. And, like, we all thought that that was just going to be fine. That was also, fun fact, the summer that we sold El Shirawi, Simone Verdi, and Bai Niang, and future Barcelona player Kevin Prince-Botain.
1: Oh, right, that's a thing.
0: Yeah, and then, you know, if you go back a little further, like, you can find players uh, who could play the Regista role, but didn't, really. Um, You know, Locatelli, um, Kuchka, um, oh my gosh yeah Kuchka who was basically Cassie <laughs> like that that's basically it
1: every time he scores in the Nations League I get really emotional about it and people see and I'm just like you don't understand
0: I dig Kuchka I I, I dig Jiraj Kuchka because I remember someone like won a Jiraj Kuchka jersey and everyone's like wow that's kind of like kind of lame like of all the players like Ura, like kuchka and like he was actually one of our like most consistent players of the past couple of years because you knew exactly what you were he was going to run through a brick wall he was going to run his legs off probably get in a fight and that was going to be it so i again i'm i'm excited for i'm, I'm excited that it seems like there's a definite plan here um, I'm excited for a young forward line, I mean, to be honest, like Liao and Piontek and Pacata, and hopefully Suso back on his game. And we have a healthy Bonaventura. you know, I mean, the, I'm something to be excited about. like truly something to be excited about with a with an actual direction under Gianpaolo and an actual style of play, and, I mean, hopefully some good substitution patterns.
1: I think that's something that gets lost about the past couple of years, is Gattuso didn't really have much of a style of play. He's not really a tactician. He just he kind of fell into this job and then was told to spin straw into gold. Um, you know, he didn't, like, he, and credit to him, they finished a point out of the Champions League with a team that, you know, I, you can say maybe should have been competing for fourth, but I don't think was as good as the team on paper that we're going to see come, come August 24th. Uh, and so to get this team and to commit to these young players with a coach that it has proven that he's capable of getting the best out of players and having a particular way of playing – and all of these people that are coming in, it, this can't be stressed enough. All these people that are coming in come in with the approval of Gianpaolo and Gazidis and Maldini and probably Boban as well. And you now have a team from the pitch into the front office that is on the same page. It's not you're from the li Yong hong days you're from the berlusconi galliani days you're not from this moment of transition no we are all now part of the same philosophy the same team and that's what you're going to start to see going forward and i think that that cannot be looked over
0: i think something to also because i agree with everything you just said i think something that has flown under the radar is remember when the chinese ownership came in They asked Maldini to come back and he was like, I'm not really sold on them. I'm going to pass. And then he came in under Elliot. And then he was like, "Uh, I think I'd like a little bit more actual power here. And they gave it to him, which was the right thing to do. And now everything runs by him. You know, he might not be the head honcho because that's Boban. And then there's Gazetus. So like one of them is the sporting director and the other is the general manager um you know, i mean they're all just I don't, I don't know what their actual like concrete job descriptions are
1: i think bobin is coo and that's all i've got
0: okay and then i guess gazitas is ceo
1: i think that's or correct he...
0: okay so let's roll with that i'm good with that i can i can fly with that and <laughs>
1: I, I typed in uh, I typed in Ivan Gazidis on Wikipedia. This needs to be shared. Um, the first sentence: Ivan Gazidis is the bald executive of Italian Serie A club AC but, Milan. Uh, uh,
0: <laughs> what, why they gotta do my man like that?
1: I don't know. Why do they
0: have to do that to in him? In the little
1: box on the right, it does say chief executive, but I like bald executive because where's the lie?
0: <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll go with that. So we have our bald executive. We have our COO. And then there's Maldini, who is in kind of a general manager, sporting director role. Um, but the point is, signings do go by him. If someone has Maldini's approval, I am on board. I can be proven wrong, right? Like, it can. in retrospect, you can be like, oh, yeah, that didn't really work out. But if you have Maldini's approval, I can live with that. And that also means that there were probably transfers that were proposed that Maldini said no, which, again, I think is a good reason to have some confidence and some real excitement for this team. Uh, Before we wrap, last thing on the docket for today uh, is no European competition. Um, The financial fair play saga decided to continue um, because um, AC Milan have worse financial offenses than Paris Saint-Germain and Manchester City. Um, Allegedly, AC Milan and UEFA came to a mutual agreement. I think this is an important thing. A mutual agreement that they will not be in the Europa League. uh, So... I believe it basically just passed down one. So then Roma moved up a slot and then Torino goes into the qualifying. So AC Milan got banned from Europe. All the headlines say banned from Europe for a year. I I don't think that is completely accurate. I get why it's there, but... The Court of Arbitration for Sport confirmed that Milan struck a deal with UEFA to do a 1-year ban for breaching the financial fair play rules. So, no Europa League and UEFA ends the overspending proceedings for 2016 to 18. So, that that was the second 3-year period in a row that they were in trouble with UEFA for overspending. So just so everyone is clear on that, that that's what happened. They weren't banned per se. They agreed to serve a one-year ban, which I think that's an important distinction. Um, And just a little bit of history on this real quick. Um, Initially, Milan had the two-year ban. They appealed it at Court of Arbitration for Sport, then they were referred again, and then they got, they were going to be banned again, but they agreed, look, we'll do the one year, get it over with, and I believe part of this is it resets. I believe. I, you know, don't, don't quote me on it, but I believe we are set to go for this three-year period I, I don't i don't know the exact mechanics of it but a part of this whole financial fair play thing was the young hung lee debt and the young hung lee transfer debt so Elliot took control of the club when young hung lee defaulted and then court of arbitration for sport gave Milan until June 2021 to balance the books or get a one-year ban. They just chose to get it over with. So here we are. Uh, No Europa League for us. I think there are positives and negatives. Positives, just focus on the league. Focus on Coppa Italia. Get top four. Maybe get to the final of the Coppa Italia. That... I think that's a reasonable goal. The minus is you don't get any money from Europa League. You don't have the potential of the Europa League final, uh, which would be a trophy and a ticket to the Champions League. Um, but then it goes back to the positive. You don't have to deal with the Europa League. You don't have to deal with the travel. You don't have to deal with the fixture congestion. You don't have to deal with all the you know, all the people who know nothing about Syria. when Milan get drawn against a team like, I don't know, let's say Arsenal, for example, and someone says Battle of European Giants, as if there are two European Giants in that group. So I I think all in all, I think it's fine. Um, Would I have loved to see us in Europe? Yeah. But I also would have liked to see us in Champions League, not Europa League. Um, I, I think this will work out. I think it's better now than later. Get it over with. Focus on the league. Get to Champions League. Wipe your hands of it. We're done. I, I think that's the best way to go about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think when this first happened, I kept hearing, ooh, ooh, Milan banned from the Europa League. That's uh, You must be so upset. And I was like, yeah, so upset. And so I, I think, like, most fans... Of Milan and anyone around Syria was like, no, this is like, this is not a big deal. This isn't the worst thing. A couple years ago, I feel like we were talking about it like it was one of the worst things that could happen. Um, but now, I feel like it was a blessing. Like I'm not upset about it at all. I mean, you make you make a good point about um, not being not having the money from UEFA for the Europa League, but at the same time we don't have to go to luxembourg or kosovo or somewhere like that on a thursday yeah exactly on a thursday night and then come back for a sunday morning game probably um, against you know you don't have to go from carabag to play in ferrara against spal Go to some like you don't have to deal with any of that, and that's fine because the priority is top four. And if you're in a comfortable position, in I mean, we've seen them the last few years do really well in Copa Italia. They've really taken it seriously, which I think is a is a change from the last few years. And you can say that was like a Gattuso thing, but I I don't see Gianpaolo taking the Copa Italia lightly either. Uh, if they're in a comfortable position when it comes to the top four race in February in March April, I Expect him to go for the Copa Italia title. That's a, a trophy is a trophy and You know, we haven't won that one since 2003 and it's one that we should be routinely competing for um, so I Think that this will be an opportunity to completely focus on going for top four and to win Copa Italia And I think that's a great thing Um you're still going to have a lot of opportunity for rotation because there is now depth on this team that we haven't really seen in a while, and it's it's all going to be completely positive. Especially if we do reach that goal, this has to be the year that they finish top four. Like they, if it goes beyond this year, I mean, yes, we have this new project with Gianpaolo and all, but this is the most positive I think we've felt about this team in a while at least me personally and i don't see any reason why they shouldn't finish fourth because i'm fourth at worst because you know inter may have gotten a little bit better but what have roma or torino or lazio done and atalanta aren't gonna be in be in that top four race i don't think they'll they'll probably be on the fringes of it but they're gonna get battered by the champions league i don't see them being in the mix for that top four come the end of next year
0: yeah, I think I, I agree um, in terms of expectations. And again, we will do our Syria comprehensive preview next week. We'll have one of our esteemed staff members from the AC Milano side, and we'll chat some Syria, chat some table, and uh, we'll go top to bottom. So I believe what we did is top six, bottom three, top score. Um, so we will be doing that again.
1: I think we threw in like the top six plus one because I do remember feeling really good about when I said, "Watch out for Atalanta" at the start of last season. That
0: is not a freezing cold <laughs> tech. That is just yeah. That is just right. So
1: that was your classic undersell in the yeah, end.
0: <laughs> to be honest, it might have been because you should have given them more credit. Um, so we we will be looking at. The entire table, top six, plus one, bottom three, top scorer. Um, I think the top one is going to be pretty straightforward. Um, And then I think it's going to get interesting. So make sure to tune in. We're going to have one of our staff members on. We'll talk the table. Uh, It was a lot of fun last year when we did it, so looking forward to doing it again. And as always, look for our season preview predictions because we're going to include our staff predictions as well uh we're going to collect what they all say and compare and uh tell them how right or wrong they are uh on the podcast so obviously make sure to check out all of our season preview content on acmilan.theoffside.com. um final thing expectations you said top four and copa italia uh, i'm right there with you uh, I'm not expecting Milan to go first, second, or third. Um, the expectation should be no less than fourth. That doesn't mean that we aren't going to have people saying fifth or sixth. Um, I'm thinking fourth. Uh, that that's what I just looking at everything right now. I think they're behind you. Obviously, they're behind you. I think they're behind Inter. Uh, And I think they're behind Napoli. But I think they are highly, highly competitive as they were last season. Because I don't think they took a step back from last season over the summer with Roma and Lazio.
1: They took a step forward, and I think those two teams kind of stayed in place.
0: Absolutely. I 100% agree. I think if you said it right now, I think they can be fourth with hopefully... A win of the Coppa Italia, if not an appearance in the final. Even though I feel bad because last season was the season to win the Coppa Italia. Last season it was wide open after Atalanta knocked out Juve, and then Lazio went and won it with uh, future future AC Milan midfielder Sergei Milinkovic Savic.
1: Aha! Yeah,
0: see here we go. I, I we can we can make our own transfer rumors on. The devil wears Rossinero We that that counts as breaking news.
1: Well, there's one we have to say R.I.P. to. I meant to mention this to you earlier. R.I.P. to the Danny Ceballos to Milan. Hopes.
0: Oh my God! I was so <laughs> bummed. I would have taken him on a dry loan. So for Absolutely. for those out of the loop, uh, Danny Ceballos on a one year loan to Arsenal from Real Madrid. Arsenal, of course, have 1,032 wingers and strikers with one injured Mustafi in defense. Um, so they, I mean, I, I have no idea what they're how they're going to fill out their roster um, because they have, like, seven midfields and forwards that are all, like, automatic starter quality, having added Pepe, etc. Um, and their are their their defense is just shocking so no i would have taken danny Ceballos in a heartbeat on a dry loan i don't care just give me that but you know here we are i mean I'll, i i'm happy with our midfield additions so i'll be interested also to see what the lineup looks like on day 1 because i think you can make the case for a couple of these guys to start and I think you can have a legitimate talk about it. And if you say Fabio Barini, um, direct all your hate to the now non-existent at Tim underscore on Twitter. <laughs> so make sure to tune in next week. We'll have your Serie a preview from top to bottom. Uh, really good to be back Tim it's been a pleasure thank you so much look forward to talking next week all right
1: all right sounds good
0: to me all right cheers man and as always follow us at SBN Rossonero on Twitter at stole underscore p is where you can find me thanks to Tim thanks to all the guys at the AC Milan offside this has been the devil wears Rossonero we'll see you next week